0: Hello and welcome to Grace Life Douris. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hello beloved. Um, It's Alicia again and I am looking forward sharing with you this word of truth um, and help you to discover the reality of your christian faith once again and let's open with prayer so father we just want to thank you for this time in the word thank you for your spirit at work in the word and thank you that as we come here before you that we can receive everything you have for us personally, each one as if you were speaking to us, sitting with us, having a cup of coffee, explaining yourself, and yet we are also in the throne room of God, where we stand in awe of who you are as the Lord, creator of heaven and earth, and that you would fellowship with us, that we are co-workers, and as we labor into this word, Father, that you give us the treasures of your heart, In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Awesome. So as you know, for the last few weeks, we have been tracking or tracing what happened after the resurrection. We've slowly been looking at it as we saw on Easter that Jesus really came to restore the image of God. And this is so essential for years and years. I believe that the main reason Jesus came was to deal with sin. However, I discovered, after discovering grace, I realized that there's so much more to that. He did not only deal with sin once and forever at the cross, that was huge, but he also, because he became sin, he gave us the right to be righteous and right before God. And so, because of him, we are now declared righteous. And so, um with all of that, I also realized that the the reason why he had to deal with sin is because there was a greater purpose. He had said something before him which was greater than dealing with sin, and that was relationship with God. He wanted to draw us into this relationship with God. And as part of that recently, I've really had a revelation that one of the most important things that Jesus came to do on earth is to restore the image of God. And so we... We kind of looked at that not while he was on earth. His life testifies of restoring the image of God. And one day I'm sure I'll be uh, able to share more on that. But we were looking after his days and resurrection. What does he do as our new or great leader? What does he do as our shepherd? What does he do as our king and as our Lord to restore back the image of God on earth? So first of all, we saw that he conquered death. This is incredible. The greatest enemy of humankind, he has conquered it. Death has no more hold on him. We also saw that through his death and resurrection, God is a promise keeper. In Jesus' lifetime, he fulfills over 300 prophecies predicted hundreds of years before his conception. Um, And 300 prophecies is a very low estimate. That's a safe estimate. It's most probably more around 500. Okay, God honors those who are not honored. He speaks to women first, lifting them up to their position as leaders and as co-rulers on the earth. We also saw how he walked with the the disciples, how he walked, especially with the two going to Emmaus, who was going in the complete opposite direction of where he had called them to be. And yet he did appear to them and he spoke to them about scriptures. And we see here how he fulfills The scripture of Isaiah 61, verse 1, part of it that says, he has come to bind up the brokenhearted. How does he do that? He does it through revealing himself in the scriptures. This is how we can be sure. Sometimes you might feel like you need a word of encouragement. You need someone to give you a hug or you need something, but that will only fix your emotions. You might sing a worship song and emotionally you might feel better, but the best place to be established um, and have your heart, broken heart, binded up, is through seeing Jesus for yourself in scriptures. As you get into the word and discover who he really is, you see who God really is, and that changes and transforms everything about it. And so please do catch up on those teachings. It's well worth listening to. It blessed me so much. But then we see the next thing that happens is the appearance of John uh, Jesus to Thomas, the disciple who doubted. And so I just want to get you up to date with where we are in the historical account. Jesus has been raised from the dead. The angels have told the woman. So the woman saw the open grave. Some of them thought his body was stolen. To others, as they returned, the angel appeared. Um, and uh, as he appeared to them, he said to them and shared with them the good news that Jesus was indeed risen and that he would meet them in Galilee. And so um then he appears on the road to Emmaus, to some of his disciples. As they return back to Jerusalem, he appears to some of the disciples as well. And in this encounter, Thomas isn't there. So now they know the grave is open because Jesus is alive. That heaven has, has said, heaven has declared he's alive and that um he has given them a purpose and a plan where to go. And then we have this account. So let's read about it in John 20. I want us to start in John 20, verse 24, and then we are going to go all the way to 30 or 31. So we see uh, Thomas, uh, but Thomas, one of the 12, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my fingers into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. um, After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, um, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see, and yet believed. Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So I ventured out to ask a few questions and at first I didn't really want to share about this because it's been so so shared like overshared so many times however there's such beautiful truth in God's word and as I was researching and discovering a few things I realized that sometimes we can miss completely the point of this account because in our minds we associate with the wrong person. So if we imagine a great story, imagine a great story, a movie or something you really enjoy, you must ask yourself, who is the main character? And the main character in most great stories are the ones who affect or bring change into the situation. And who does this in this story or account? It's Jesus, not Thomas. And many of us read this account and associate with Thomas. And even myself, for years, I felt better because of Thomas. And Jesus appeared to him. And I even preached things like that, that Jesus will appear to you wherever you are. And still, I believe that that's true. So don't stop listening now. However, there's a greater truth to be found in this account, far greater. If the main character is Jesus and not Thomas, then we have something else to learn from this. So first of all, I want to remind you, Jesus has already said to his disciples what to do next. He has given them clear instructions, what he wants them to do, not only after his death and resurrection. Before that, in Matthew 26, in verse 31, he says to the disciples, but after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. They should have been in Galilee. First of all, if you go and do a bit of research, you will see that Jerusalem and Galilee is three days' walk. I believe that it is very possible that if any of the disciples believed God's word, believed Jesus, they would have left that night he was crucified, and three days later they would have all met Jesus alive in Galilee. However, here we see that eight days after his disciples, or after So even after all of this happened, eight days after that, his disciples are still in direct disobedience to the command Jesus had given. Jesus is God. So this is directly in disobedience to what God has asked them to do. He asked them to go to Galilee. And what happens? Because they are not in obedience to where God has called them to be and what he's called them to do, their faith is lacking. First of all, they don't have faith to get there, to go there. Second of all, their faith is now dwindling because they are not doing what God has called them to do. And faith works, but faith works when we work our faith, when we act in what God has asked us to do or where God has asked us to be. Now, I'm going to share with you something incredible about this passage, about faith, that I believe will set you up for success in your life, and in your relationship towards God because of a revelation of faith. Okay, so just hang in there. But first of all, we must disattach our connection to Thomas in the story. At your weakest, as a born-again believer, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you've not, you're still on a discovery of faith, so do listen carefully to discover the power of faith. But if you have put your faith, that means trust, If you've put your trust in Jesus today as a new born again believer, even in your day when you feel like you have no faith, you have more faith than Thomas. Any day that you feel you do not have enough faith to believe for something because you are born again, you have more faith than Thomas did. Okay. Do not associate with Jesus, uh, with Thomas in this. You need to associate and ask yourself, how do I see the image of God in this part of Scripture? What is Jesus trying to restore to us? He is trying to restore to us and confirm in our heart that God is a God who honors faith. This is incredible. Thomas willfully chose not to believe. This is disobedience okay? First of all, second of all, when Jesus said to all of them, because you have seen me, you have believed, blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. We see it as a direct instruction to Thomas, and that is true. However, the second part of that scripture is directed at all. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. So this is not condemnation, but it is correction. Every single one of those disciples in that room would have realized not one of them counts. Not one of them is included in that blessing because not one of them believed without seeing. Each and every one of them had to see, okay? So this should encourage us today. This should show us something about the heart of God because even verse 31 says that these things have been written so you may believe that Jesus is the Christ You see, for those of you who are still wondering and thinking about, should I put my faith in Jesus? My answer would always be yes. But the answer is, we do not believe because of blind faith or because we have a crutch. Faith is based on something. We have put our faith in the facts. We have seen the facts. We have gone through the facts. We have listened, investigated, researched, and because of the facts, we now believe the facts. The fact is... Jesus is alive. No other religious leader ever in the history of the world, no ever leader, has ever, ever said that he would rise from the dead and raised and was risen from the dead. Find me his body. We are living 2,000 years after this event. No one has found his body. He has conquered death and he is still showing people today how to conquer the ultimate death and the ultimate prison of sin in their life. Hallelujah, that is incredible. So we don't have blind faith. We don't use faith as a crutch. No, please, believers, stop seeing it like this. Even for myself, what an encouragement that faith is not a crutch and it's not blind. Faith is based on something. It is based on someone. And that is a fact. Okay, and so let's turn together to Hebrews 11, verse 6. So we might go back there to John, so keep your finger there. But Hebrews 11, verse 6, you are welcome to read from different translations. I always read from the NASB as much as I can. Hebrews 11, verse 6, Uh, let me find it. (laughs) And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder, of those who diligently seek Him. So I want you to first of all realize, your faith is not based on works. What pleases God, what God desires, is faith, not works. Now, if our faith is based on faith, listen carefully, if our faith is based on faith, then it is not based on works. When we come to God, we believe that He is, okay? And that He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. We do not believe that God is a God of works. Yes, faith works. Even James confirmed that faith without works is dead. But first of all, we must know this. Our faith is not a work, okay? So let's go to Romans 11 verse 6. And I'm going to pull it all together um, for us in a moment. Let's go to Romans, Romans 11, verse 6. And so Paul is writing once again, and he says, But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. Faith is relationship-based. Works is performance-based. Okay? When we have faith, we have a relationship. This is when we actually know something that leads to repentance, changing how we thought about something before, and we put our trust and faith or belief in the facts of what we've learned or discovered. Okay, It can be compared to a relationship. Any relationship, as we get to know each other, faith is starting to work. Now, we as natural man, we have faith. Because we were created in the image of God. Now, God is a God of faith, so he cannot uh, create what he is not. He is a God of faith. So if he is a God of faith, what do we have if we're created in his image? We have natural faith. God has put in us faith to believe, okay? And when we use that faith, when we investigate him, when we look at him, when we search for him, when we go to the Bible, when we go to scriptures, we, that act of coming to that and coming to him... In that act, as we get to the word, as we see him for who he is, it starts to transform our thinking. As a guy and a girl um, going on a date, they get information about each other and it starts to change the way they think, change the way their heart's starting to feel about each other. And the end result of doing this with God is that the result should be that they believe and that belief should always lead to a action. Okay? So, the blessing is received because we believe in who he is, not because of our sacrifice or works. Listen very carefully. The blessing we receive is because we believe it's based on faith. Okay. It is not because of our sacrifice or works. For many, many years, I believe that faith is like, um, or I was taught like this years before that it was like faith is a work. You need to work it. And uh, this is wrong. This is completely wrong. If we see faith like that, then faith becomes something that becomes a burden and an obstacle in our walk with God, which disqualifies us from receiving from him. If we see faith the way God sees faith, that it is who we are. When we became born again, and I'm going to show it to you now, we have his faith inside of us. We we put our faith with his faith and his faith becomes our faith. Okay, that sounds, listen to it again. It sounds a bit confusing, but it's not. Okay, I'm going to show you that from Hebrews 12. But what I want you to see today, believer and beloved child of God, is faith is a burden remover. Our faith should be the easiest thing in our walk with God. Because when we see Him for who He really is in Scripture, Our faith is completely effortless because it is easy to believe in the one who keeps promises. It is easy to believe in the one who lifts up those who the world oppresses. It is easy to believe in the one who conquers death for your sake. It is easy to believe in the one that says in his scriptures, he will provide for you, he will lead you, he will guide you, he will protect you. But you see, we look to Thomas and we find some comfort in the fact that Jesus says, here I am, come, and if you put your hands here, you will know who I am. Okay, there's no comfort in that at all. The comfort is in this, that now as a born-again believer, you have God's Spirit living inside of you. When you activate that faith that is in you, nothing becomes impossible. And you do not have to be convinced anymore by proof You are convinced by scripture and you become the blessed because blessed are you for you have not seen and yet believed. Hebrews 12 verse 2 says it like this. Go to Hebrews 12 verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, endeared the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God. Now, when you look at that word finisher, it means to complete to add what is yet wanting in order to render a thing full. It is to bring faith to its fullness. So that which we couldn't have before, we now have completely. So we have our natural faith. And when we put our faith in Jesus, the very first time we do this, his spirit comes and dwells in us and we become one with him, as the scriptures have declared. And his spirit is full of faith. And now we have access by our faith to His faith that completes that which is lacking. You see, as we discover who Christ is, as we see Christ and we let Him through His Spirit reveal to us the truth about God as our Father and what that means, it will so impact our lives that faith will become a natural byproduct of our relationship with God, removing burden and not adding religious duty or service, I must believe, I must believe. Wouldn't it be such a disgrace if I woke up in the morning and said to myself, I must believe my husband will be good to me today. I must believe I'm going to practice my faith. My husband will be good to me today. What I am actually saying is I'm trying to believe something that is not true. And therefore, I'm faithing myself into it. I'm releasing my faith into it. This is not true faith. True faith is a boldness. I know my husband is good and I know my husband is good to me. I know wherever he is now and he is not here. He's somewhere doing some work. He's with um, our daughter. I know that his heart is for me and never against me. I know this. This is a fact. So my faith is effortless for that. Now you might have had broken relationships and I want to encourage you today, I have a good relationship and I am so grateful to God for that. But I've dealt with many people, including in my past. I have had many broken relationships and seen the result of those kind of things in family relationships. And I want to encourage you today, if you will allow Jesus to speak to your heart about God through his spirit, he will show you who he really is. And then every other example of unbelief like Thomas, like anyone, like Peter, like David, like anyone who couldn't believe, you will no longer associate with them, but you will say, that is not who I am. Even if that's how I feel right now, that is not who I am. I am called the blessed one, for I believe before I've seen, and I believe that Jesus is Lord. Now there is no greater faith than that. No greater act of uh, using your faith for that. That Jesus is Lord, nothing else. And then we walk that out by faith. Look, and you can look for yourself. I'm just going to share with you what it says in Matthew 17 20. It speaks about having the seed, um, mustard seed of faith. Do we realize that the unregenerated man, the man without God's spirit inside of him, does not even have faith as small as a mustard seed? Okay. And yet it's enough to get them saved. If they, if we will use our faith and believe naturally, God will add his spirit to that belief and nothing will become impossible with us because we have his faith in us. You do not lack faith. Maybe you've been praying about something. Maybe you've been desiring something or seeing God's call for your life come true or wanting to be more bold when you speak to people about Jesus or wanting to experience more of the reality of your Christian faith and yet you don't see it and you've been praying for more faith. Beloved, you don't need more faith. Your problem is not a faith problem. Your problem is a knowledge problem. You don't know who God is. And that is good news because you can do something about that. You can study His Word and discover Him for yourself. You can get a hold of great teachers, great teachings, and I would always recommend any Grace Life teacher anywhere in the world, great teachers of the Word who want to show you the truth and great shepherds who have a heart to shepherd you and show you and direct you Even when we have to correct, we correct to put you on the right path with your relationship with God. I want to encourage you, listen to things like that, discover for yourself, and you shall not lack. Look at Romans 10 quickly with me. Romans 10 verse 17 as we draw to a close. In Romans 10, Paul writes to encourage us in verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Some Bible translations put their God because there's still a dispute whether the original is Christo or maybe it could have been referring to God. The reason why I sincerely and honestly believe that this word is Christ, why we believe by hearing the word of Christ is because I know many people, including myself, who heard things about God that didn't lead to faith. I can hear things in the Old Testament about God that does not build my faith. And the same is true for any religious, um, group out there in the world. They are all for God. The problem is that they are not for faith in Jesus as Lord. And so I believe that true faith is born when, and born, not born, actually. That's the wrong word. True faith arises when we hear who Jesus is and allow him to reveal to us who God is. So I want to finish this off by reminding you that Thomas ends up in India, preaching the gospel so radically that he loses his life for it. And that is encouraging. And after this encounter with Jesus, we never hear him, never have any record of him doubting again. But what I want you to know is that even if that is good and that is great, we don't have to see ourselves in that. We can see ourselves as new creations and that Jesus himself said, blessed are you for you have not seen yet you have believed and you have put your faith in the fact of Jesus as Lord. And when you put your faith in that, Nothing becomes impossible because God's Spirit is now at work in you. You have become a new creation, full of faith. You have the capacity and ability to believe for that which is impossible. And now that you have that, you can use that to bring forth the works of God, which he has prepared beforehand in you, for you and through you. And so that you may see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven for the king and for his kingdom. This is so incredibly encouraging. Okay. I want to leave you with this last thought and I will read this from the message translation because of how it's so, I call it more a commentary because of how they say this verse. And it's in Matthew 11:28, verse 30. And Jesus is speaking and he said, Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Then come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Dear beloved child of God, I want you to know that faith is not heavy and it's not ill-fitting. Faith is who you are as a new creation, born of God. And as you keep company with Jesus and discover who God is, you will learn to live freely and lightly but also you will learn to live in your purpose. You will discover what it's like to use that faith and to see it work. There is nothing, nothing more exciting than that to be part of the kingdom of God and to build his kingdom on earth so that we may see it here as it is in heaven. As a Father, I want to thank you for this beautiful word. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, that although Thomas was a picture of someone who didn't believe. We don't have to be like like him. We don't need to be like any one of the disciples before they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We are new creations. And because we are new creations, we can know you. We can know who you are because you want to reveal yourself to us as the Lord, God, Savior, Provider, Promise Keeper, Uplifter, and the one who says that you will not add burdens, but you remove the burden of faith. Father, thank you. I believe that there's people listening here who maybe you haven't had your, your desire of your heart fulfilled, which is a desire from the Lord, which you know that God has given you. I want to just pray for every single one of them, um, especially when it comes to being part of sharing the gospel.